0: this week I lost my aunt Uh, she passed away my mother's youngest sister or younger sister and uh, a woman of great faith she trusted Jesus with her whole life Uh, my brother was the lawyer who drafted her will and uh, brought the will to the family on on uh, Thursday and she owned a few clothes in her drawer and a few toiletries in her bathroom, and that's all she had. Um, but she always had a smile on her face. She loved Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when it's all said and done, that's what matters. Amen? All right. Okay, I also just want to acknowledge the help we've been getting for the the, uh, painting. We have one more big painting job to do before we can actually finish the walls, and that is another coat of paint on this side of the ceiling. We need somebody or a few people who don't mind holding a 20-foot paint roller and keeping their head twisted like this, and going back and forth if you decide to do the whole job we'll have a healing line for you afterwards But we could certainly <laughs> anybody wants to help us there's lots of help over the next uh, few weeks in your bulletin there's this a special offering envelope for uh, Martin Lamb and in uh, in in the printed part of the bulletin there's some of the needs and I asked Martin if he would share some of his needs. His whole ministry is supported by donations. He doesn't get a salary like a lot of pastors do, a lot of uh, such as I do here in this church. He depends entirely on what uh, people give him. And so we're praying that um, as he comes here, he has to also pay for his own flight expenses, and he travels all over the world, in missions, and so I'm going to ask you to really be prayerful about what the Lord says you should do in this uh, for this offering, and uh, we want to believe God for just a very uh, great blessing for Him. Well, I got up at 6:30 this morning and looked at the forecast and uh, thought, well, there's no church this morning," and uh, and then I looked out the window, and then I thought, it don't look that bad. So I thought, I'll wait. And it still said 30 centimeters, 25 to 30 centimeters. And then I kept looking out the window. And how many know you can't believe everything you hear, right? And if you don't like the weather in the maritimes, wait a minute. Um, anyway, that was supposed to be funny. Um, Anyway, that's a joke that a person from Ontario should not tell, right? But actually, I'm more a Maritimer than I am one of those people from up away. Uh, For those of you who are up away, a secret society meeting will be taking place tomorrow night. And uh, uh, (laughs) um, it's uh, such a nice it's turned out nice. It's supposed to apparently start to snow again this afternoon. So just just watch uh, for the uh, Bible study as to whether it'll take place or not. Uh, Greg knows who you are, and he'll probably call you if it's not good. Acts chapter one. And if you have a Bible or Bible app, and would like to follow with this text, that will be that will be great. Do you like the color, by the way? How many like it? Uh, how, may, how many don't like it? Okay, I'm responsible. <laughs> Gary, we'll, we'll meet outside afterwards. Um, yes. Well, since everybody but Gary liked it, I could risk that. I'm responsible for it. If it had been the other way. Then, well, I had nothing to do with it. Okay. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So, in my former book, the author of the book of Acts is Luke. And the former book that he wrote was the Gospel of Luke. And the person to whom it was addressed is a man by the name of Theophilus who was a Roman official. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And that holds huge significance. And I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, people were inquiring about who this Jesus is. And uh, all the things that they had heard about him, and many people had seen him. But Theophilus apparently hadn't met Jesus in person. But he knew that Luke had. And so he he wrote to Luke, and he said, can you tell me? I don't know if he wrote or if it was actually a verbal communication. Can you tell me about this Jesus? And so we have the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is filled with stories and uh, accounts of how Jesus emphasized his ministry to the poor, to the outcast, and to women. He was raised in a society at a time whenever women were put down, where men were dominant. And uh, so the Gospel of Luke causes those who are in any of those categories just to feel, well, oh, this is for me. And that Jesus puts as much emphasis on women as he does men, and he doesn't see women as being lesser than men. And so uh, this is what the whole book, book of Luke was. Now remember, in Theophilus' culture, which would have been Roman culture, men dominated women. And that was also true, of course. In Jewish culture, God hadn't created it that way, but that's how it had evolved. Now, he says, all the things, I wrote about the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So, the things that Jesus taught and did were intended to be a beginning of things that would continue. And then he says those were the things that he began to do until he was taken up into heaven, until he ascended, until he left this world. He had come as God in the flesh, and now in the flesh he was leaving and promised that in the flesh someday he would return. So as he lifts himself into heaven, Luke says, Theophilus, the things that he did were just his beginnings. They were the things he began to do and to teach. So it was like he put something into motion. He caused something to begin that he ordained should continue through his church, through those who believe in him. And the Bible says that if you believe, you will do greater works than he did. And, and, I, and I think that's a collective thing. And that's when you look at what the church does in the world today, uh, the, uh, co- collectively, that is true. The church is doing more than what Jesus did as a single human being. I had a, a call on, uh, uh, or I was on a prayer call on Friday morning. I'm in an a, a international prayer group, and so we pray on Friday mornings. Uh, for an hour, and one person um, just had returned from Argentina and said, The revival that's taking place in Argentina is indescribable. It's when you look at all the miracles that are taking place and the tens of thousands of people that are being saved, it's, it's, there's just a move of God that's permeating the whole nation. And you hear accounts like this, stories like this, and you say, well, yes, what Jesus began to do and to teach, he is doing and continues to do through his church around the world and will do so until he returns. I had a text this morning from Memphis, Tennessee, Uh, To one of the brothers who was on the prayer meeting and some of you know him uh, Fred Bennett and he said praying that God will bring a great awakening revival to the church in the Maritimes and so there are people praying for us there are people reporting to us of the great things that Jesus continues to do things he began to do before he was taken up into heaven so what does that say to us this morning when you look at what he did while he was here and you think that well, that was the beginning of things that they would continue the nature of what he did would continue there would be people set free from demonic spirits There would be people healed. There would be people people actually raised from the dead. These kinds of things do happen in our world today, and not just in isolated pockets, but in so many places around the world. So our response should be, Lord, do it here. What you began then continue now here in us, in this province because this province is so much, so, so desperately needs to see a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And so we continue to pray, Lord, do it again. Do it now. Do it through us. We pray for the faith to believe. We, like the early church, would say, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. And the reason they said that was they believed because they had seen so much, but they knew there was so much more to come and they would need more faith for it. So we pray, Lord, uh, help our unbelief. And then it says in the second verse, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the the apostles he had chosen. (laughs) Now, I... uh, I, I just really want you to try to picture this. So they were totally amazed that he was alive. Because he had just been put to death, and now he showed himself alive to them with many infallible proofs, the Bible says. They knew he was alive. So this was this was an amazing thing. Now they are living. Uh, for several days, just in the basking of what he had. He's here. He's alive. And and uh, with proofs. And he's just, they're just amazed. And so he sits down with them and starts to give them instructions. The King James language uses the word commands. So, uh, Lord, Can't we just party? Can't we just celebrate what you've done? You rose from the dead. and and I think that's how I would have been thinking, Lord, uh, we don't need any more teaching right now. Uh, Can you kind of hold off on that and let us just, well, let's just go out in the community and and show you off to everybody. That's not what he did. He, He showed himself to the apostles he had chosen. The disciples he had chosen. And so there's a special intimacy that comes when you know Jesus, when you understand that he's working through his church to accomplish, to accomplish what he set out to do in the beginning. And, and he's here and he's now. And we would like him to do things our way, not his way. And so we're not always interested in instructions or commands but that's what he did so he sat with them and then if the resurrection wasn't amazing enough he suddenly ascends he he goes up into the clouds <laughs> and angels actually had to come and say why don't you stand here gazing this should not be a surprise to you this jesus that you saw go away will come again And, uh, well, they were all just very uh, caught up with everything that happened. Anyway, so in verse 3, he showed him, uh, after his suffering, he presented to them, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Many proofs that could not be refuted. Many infallible proofs. Things that they saw with their own eyes, they heard with their own ears, they touched with their own hands, they You could not deny what had taken place had you been there and been one of them. Infallible proofs. So there is a sense in which we need that. We need to have that certainty about our faith. And it won't come to us in the same way that it came to them where Jesus appeared to them physically and literally and ascended into heaven physically and literally. But the infallible proofs are necessary for us. Now, within each of us, there's an inner skeptic, uh, a doubt, something to doubt. Uh, Amanda told me this morning that uh, Roman, how old is Roman? Eight years old. He wants to have a theological discussion with me. And I thought, wow. Wow. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that. Because the questions in the mind of a child are often the questions that are in the minds of adults. We, we don't always understand things. What, why do things happen the way they do? Uh, one, of the, uh, one of our teenagers uh, asked the question. I just learned this this morning. Well, things were so perfect in the garden When God communicated with Adam and Eve and someday they'll be so perfect in the future, what in the world happened in between? Well, I don't know if that was her exact words, but that that was the essence of the question. Why it's so good then and it'll be so good there, but it'll be so good then, but why is it like it is today? And those are important questions. Vitally important questions. And so what went wrong? Well, we know the answer to that, and that was the the choices that we as humans have made to leave the wonderful covenantal relationship that we had with God and to choose our own path. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he shows himself with infallible proofs. How does he do that today? Well, there's miracles that take place, yes, there are things that happen that are very convincing. There are arguments made by theologians, by people who are apologists, who are able to uh, put, make explanations about uh, the existence of God, and all of those are, are proofs. But the, that inner assurance, that infallible proof still happens today, and we'll get to that in just a moment. He appeared to them for 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And here's the message of the gospel. Here's the wonderful reality of what God is doing in the world today. What he continues to do. What he started to do when he was here and alive on the planet. And what he continues to do. He talks to us about the kingdom of God, and He gives instructions or commands concerning it, and He based, bases it upon the evidence of His resurrection. Well, the kingdom of God, <laughs> Jesus said, it's not a place, literally on this earth. Uh, you, you can't, some people say it's here, it's there, and Jesus said, no, it's it's not. It doesn't have a physical location per se. It has its location in the hearts of believers. The kingdom of God is within you, he said. And so that means the dynamics of the life of Jesus have been deposited in us, and for all of us are waiting to be expressed in a full manifestation of the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so... Where do we look for the kingdom of God? <laughs> well, you come to Jesus, and then you start to realize that within your life, some of the questions, the doubts, the bondages, the sins, the fears, they start to get answered. And you find yourself overcoming, and you start to find you find yourself becoming a witness. A witness is not something that you do. A witness is, is someone you are. And so there's a transformation. When people see you, they see something different. They see the glory of Jesus. The kingdom of this world compared to the, or the kingdoms of this world compared to the kingdom of God. He taught about the kingdom of God. We've seen just in the last few weeks how fickle the world can be. And how the constructs, whether they be political or economical or social or um, just the whole lifestyles of people in the world, how they can be so very easily shaken. The coronavirus, which now is, uh, it's, they don't say it's a pandemic yet, but it's on the increase. I believe over 80,000 cases have been reported And there's deaths that are happening at an alarming rate, not at the same percentage as they did with SARS, but still a lot of people are dying through coronas. And there's a great fear about that. And so in places like Italy, where there's been a real outbreak, and where they are as crazy or probably crazier about soccer as we are about hockey in this country, and uh, now the stadiums are closed. No more soccer until this thing is arrested. And then you see the markets, the financial markets. The the, the New York Stock Exchange plummeted over 3,000 points in these last few days. And so we see that how these tiny little microbes, these little vi- these viruses, how they can so affect the kingdoms of this world, the systems of this world, and how fickle they really are and how they can cause people to be in such great fear. And the Bible says that someday the kingdoms of this world or the systems of this world will actually dissolve at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Should our hearts be filled with fear? No. Concern? Yes. Being proactive when it comes to being responsible citizens and and doing what we can? Absolutely. But filled with fear? No. We're filled with faith because God has presented us with Jesus, his son, and he <laughs> is our infallible proof. He is the one that says things aren't always going to be as they are. They will change. And I will come back. Now, he says this uh, in verse 4 On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Let me just pause there. On one occasion, while he was eating with them. Now, the scripture just said that he gave commands or teachings or instructions, if you will. And so you kind of get this sort of classroom setting idea where everybody's sitting down and he's up lecturing and saying, do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And here's some new things that you've never heard of before. Make sure you incorporate them. It's sort of a lecture as to how the church should form. Well, no doubt he; those were a part of what he said. But notice that uh, while he was eating with them, and so, here, in the midst of the most important considerations of life of what would be the future of what would be what that which would cause what he began to do and teach to continue he says let's let's party let's have a let's have a let's have food and that's the one part of the gospel that we really emphasize in this church. Make sure there's lots of food. For those of you that're here the first time, there's food downstairs. For those of us who have been coming, there's food back there at the end of the service. Uh, Donna brought in some amazing cakes. Gave me one. And uh there's stuff back there. And then of course, that's just that's just a taste of what will come the next time we have a meal in this place. But you know what I'm saying. And it's not just here in church. But the fellowship around food is a vital thing. Because there we're commun- communicating and communing with what is essential for natural life. And in that process... Because we are believers and because we come together in the name of Jesus, that which is natural soon translates into that which is spiritual. And it's often around a meal or even a cup of coffee in a Timbit at Tim Hortons as somebody's sharing their faith that something connects within the human heart. There's this whole thing about food, and Jesus constantly ate. He sat and he ate with people who were drunkards, prostitutes. And everybody said, if he really was the Messiah, he wouldn't be doing these things. (laughs) But what they missed was, it's because he was the Messiah, he was doing these things. And so the whole purpose of Fellowship of food is essential. Jesus made it essential, and so we we ought to as well. And he says, while he was doing this, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised while you have heard me speak about him. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, okay. Okay, we, we, we know you died. We know you rose. Um, later, they would remember what he said after he ascended. They saw this, and yet there was something more. Something more. And, folks, it's in the something more. Where the infallible proofs become personal to you, where the revelation of who Jesus is becomes very real to you, it's not just some mental assent to some dogma or creed or some what, what a church preaches, but no it's more than that it's, it's an actual personal encounter with the Holy Spirit who the Father promised the Son, and promised the church that he would send, and he's here today. So the power of proof is here. The power of anointing is present wherever the Holy Spirit is present. The power of what he wants you to experience and know and enjoy that transcends anything you can find in this world. Any popular acclaim, any amount of riches, any amount of anything that is just of this world uh, there 's something more and in the progression from his death to his resurrection to his ascension to the coming of the holy spirit there there was a they, they were like stair steps, each taking of the, the the believers higher and higher the followers of Christ higher and higher until It culminated in the descent of Holy Spirit who filled them. And on the day that he came, their own languages failed them in expressing their praise to God. And the Bible says that they spoke with other tongues and languages they had not learned. And in doing so, they were declaring the praises of God. Does that still happen? Yes, of course it does. And all around the world, one of the things that characterizes the great revival such as uh, that is in Argentina right now is the endowment and the endowment of the Holy Spirit on the hearts and the lives of those who are being converted and upon the church. The power of the Holy Spirit uh, filling people. Anointing people, changing people, Uh, and yes, speaking in tongues and prophesying and working the miracles of God. And you don't have to be a believer, uh, you know, with a 30, 40, 50-year history of serving Jesus. The day that he fills your heart with his presence is the day that what he began to do and teach, he carries on through you. Wow. Ah, I thought we'd be sitting home not having church. And here we are having church. And someday we'll wake up in the morning maybe or might be at night. We'll go to bed at night. And we'll say, well, we thought that tomorrow would be this or that. But instead... That will be the day when Jesus comes back. We never know what a day will bring forth. And when on that day, (laughs) that will be the ultimate, we would never know what a day will bring forth. Hallelujah.